This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. Ready to form Voltron! Job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Grayskull! For the honor of Grayskull! I'm the Doctor. And welcome to the 38th episode of Charlie's Geek Cast. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and once again, we were delving back into the world of the DC Animated Universe comic line. Does that does that work? I think that sounds right. Anyway, uh, we're diving back into that to go to our next comic. However, we're not changing months, so we don't have any comics to look at. But this time out, we're looking at the comic book adaptation of Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. How does it compare to the movie? Well, we'll find out in just a few minutes. But first, there's a couple promos. If you rebuild it, they will come. They burned it down. If you rebuild it, they will come. You didn't hear them? Beg your pardon? The voices? Heath? If you rebuild it, they will come. They blew it up. If you rebuild it, they demolished it. If you rebuild it, they will come. But horror has a permanent address. Welcome to my home. The House of Frankenstein lives! You see, uh, we began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately it was, it was interrupted. And we're most anxious to take it up again. In September and October, the Fire and Water Podcast Network presents a Supermates tradition, covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures. I must find more victims before my work is done. You need look no further, Vampirus. We'll take the Bat-Jet to the Hall of Justice and transform the other super friends. <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. What are you, crazy? Jack Nicholson. No, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins. She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. 
Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, you'll attack me. Vincent Price. Let's uh, see what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. Gary Oldman. And there's really of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as this count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! This Halloween, visit our field of screens at the scenic house of Frankenstein, where terror is only a listen away. <laughs> Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, When Batman Fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host?
Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie, the official comic adaptation of the Warner Brothers animated film, has a cover date of 1994 and was released on December 7th, 1993, with a cover price of $2.95 and a page count of 64 pages. So that's why the high... That, you know, is probably printed on really good paper. It was adapted slash written by Kelly Puckett, penciled by Mike Parabek, inked by Rick Burchett, lettered by Tim Harkins, colored by Rick Taylor, and edited by Scott Peterson. Our story begins one night in Gotham City, and please bear with me because the way time flows throughout this book is pretty crazy. Anyway, one night in Gotham City, we see mobster Chucky Saul, and he's busy showing his men the quality of his counterfeit money that when they're interrupted by the awesome Batman. While his men keep Batman busy, Chucky escapes to his car, where he's confronted by a spooky cloaked figure surrounded by smoke, who tells him, Chucky Saul, your angel of death awaits. After bullets don't seem to affect the cloaked figure, Chucky attempts to run over with his car, but the figure disappears in the smoke, leaving Chucky to crash through the garage wall and into the building across the street. Of course, by this time, Batman has caught up with Chucky and is spotted by onlookers, leading them to believe that he caused the crash. He's also too late to stop the cloak figure, but it's been that kind of night. The next day, Councilman Arthur Reeves appears on TV, calling for the police to apprehend Batman for Chucky's death, but Commissioner Gordon refuses. I'm telling you, friends, it's vigilantism at its deadliest. How many times are we going to let Batman cross the line? I'm sorry, Councilman, but you can't blame Batman for what happened to Chucky Saw. Why not? He's a loose cannon, Commissioner. It's not just my opinion. A lot of people, including the police, I might add, think Batman's as unstable as the crooks he brings in. What kind of city are we running when we depend on the support of a potential madman? Such rot, sir. Why, you're the very model of sanity. Oh, by the way, I've pressed your tights and put away your exploding gas balls. Thank you, Alfred. Later, Reeves is on the phone with someone whom he hasn't seen in ten years but also has a connection with Bruce Wayne, apparently. That evening, during a party at Wayne Manor, Bruce's playboy persona comes back to bite him in the butt, and then Reeves is there to rub salt in the wound. Oh, come on, Bruce. All alone in this big mansion. Haven't you ever thought about marriage? Even once. Oh, never say the M word in front of Bruce. It makes him nervous. What about the I word? The I word? Engagement. I'd watch out for Brucey if I were you girls. First, he wines and dines you, makes you think you're the only woman he's ever been interested in. And just when you're wondering where to register the China, he forgets your phone number. <gasps> That's Bruce Wayne's style. Bruce? Excuse me. Oh, Bruce? Bruce? A friend in need? Councilman? So how goes the bat bashing? Better than your love life. Really, Bruce, it's almost as if you pick them because you know there's no chance for a serious relationship. At least since that one girl. What was her name? Anne, Andy, Andrea? Yes, Andrea Beaumont. Now there was a sweet number. How'd you let her get loose? Thanks for the handkerchief, Arthur. You know where you can stick it. This triggers a flashback to Bruce's pre-Batman days. When he first met Andrea at Gotham Cemetery, while visiting his parents' grave, he heard talking and found Andrea talking to her dead mother. It's not as weird as it... Actually, yes, it is as weird as it sounds. They 
compare notes about talking to their dead parents, and then she leaves. A few nights later at the Big Hat Company, which I'm not, I'm still not sure what they do. Maybe make big hats? It's not really clear. Bruce spots a robbery and leaps into action for the first time as a masked, still not Batman vigilante. Vigilante? Vigilante? Anyway, despite them not being afraid of him at all, Bruce manages to take out the robbers before any of them can escape. And then the next morning, talks to Alfred about how the plan is working. I read about your anonymous exploits this morning, and I'm... Are you sure you won't reconsider rugby? Sorry, Alfred, but the plan is working. I had the edge. I could feel it. There was only one thing wrong. They weren't afraid of me. I've got to strike fear in them from the start. Pardon, Master Bruce, but we may want to postpone the shop talk, as it were. I believe you have a visitor. Hi. Hey, what happened to you? Trip over some loose cash? It's been three days since we met and still no calls. I figured you must be dead or something. You expect every guy you meet to call you up? The ones that are smart enough to dial a phone. Now, during this whole scene, Bruce has been talking to both Alfred and Andrea while practicing his jujitsu. God bless you. And Andrea decides to show him up by taking him down with a move she learned from Miss Hovey's self-defense class for girls. After he trips her in retaliation, they meet in a romantic embrace on the ground, but the flashback ends before they can kiss or anything. Bruce thanks Reeves for his handkerchief and insinuates where he can stick it. Later that night at Gotham Cemetery, mob boss Buzz Bronski is visiting Chucky Saul's grave. When he's confronted by a spooky, cloaked figure surrounded by smoke, who tells him, Buzz Bronski, your angel of death awaits. The figure chases Bronski until he falls into an empty grave, then pushes an angel statue, ironically, onto the mob boss, killing him. Bronski's men check up on him and find their dead boss and spot the cloaked figure doing a very Batman-like pose. Unfortunately, bullets don't work any better this time than they did with Chucky, tried it, and the figure escapes. The next day, Reeves demands that Gordon go after Batman now that two mobsters are dead. Gordon refuses still and removes himself from the case and from the rest of the story as well. Fortunately, Batman has witnessed this from outside Gordon's window so that when Bullock and Reeves shine the bat signal, he knows not to respond to it. Later, while investigating the murder site, Batman stops by the Wayne Grave site and spots Andrea, who is visiting her mother's grave. Unfortunately, Andrea spots him too, and although he disappears before she can speak a word to him, his appearance at the Wayne site allows her to figure out that Bruce is Batman. Dun 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 dun! Now, some time has passed, and Reeves is having dinner with a distracted Andrea, both of whom are being spied upon by the Batman across the street using binoculars in the rain. After making some small talk about how close she is with her father, and that it is unfortunate that he couldn't make the trip too, things start getting romantic with some, wait for it, hand-holding. This triggers another flashback to when Bruce and Andrea visited the Gotham World's Fair. It was during this date that Bruce agreed to meet her father, Carl. After stressing the importance of family, the meeting was cut short when Carl was visited by Sal Valestra. Bruce had a bad feeling about the guy, but they left anyway. Outside, before they could even talk about it, they witnessed a street vendor being robbed. Bruce jumped into action, and things started off going his way until he was distracted by Andrea, allowing them to get in a really good hit to his ribs and giving them a time to escape while Bruce caught his breath. That night, Bruce found himself at a crossroads. He felt he, it wouldn't be right to put his life on the line as long as he had someone waiting for him to come home. Well, you know, other than Alfred. I guess he doesn't count. Anyway, that night, he returned to the cemetery to talk to his parents. It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but 
but it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops, let someone else take the risk, but it's different now. Please, I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Please, tell me that it's okay. Maybe they already have. Maybe they sent me. Back in the present, but at some point later, Sal Valestra visits Reeves. Actually, he kind of picks up Reeves in his limo. Asking Reeves if it is true that the Batman is killing mobsters. When Reeves mentions that they have eyewitnesses, Sal gets overexcited and goes into a coughing fit. It seems that years of smoking cigarettes have not left old Sal in a very good shape. And he's always using needing an oxygen machine. Meanwhile, in the Batcave, Batman finds out that Chucky and Buzz were partners in dummy corporations 10 years ago, along with a guy named Sal Valestra. So Batman heads to Sal's and finds a picture of the three of them, along with Andrea's father and an unimportant fifth guy. This triggers another flashback to when Bruce proposed marriage to Andrea, which she accepted before a swarm of bats flew up out of a hole nearby. Bruce and Alfred took Andrea home to tell Carl the good news, but he was in what appeared to be some kind of a heated business meeting and decided to wait until the next day to tell him. The next day, Bruce was busy exploring the cave that the bats escaped from when Alfred arrives with the ring and a note from Andreas. It's another cave, all right. Could be as big as the house, judging from the number of bats that came out of it. Alfred, what's wrong? This just arrived, sir. Left with Dad. Too young. Need time. Forget about me. With Andrea gone, Bruce was now able to focus on the plan again, and the flashback ends with Bruce putting on the first Batman costume for the first time. In the present, Sal goes to the remains of the Old World's Fair and meets up with the Joker. After Joker takes Sal to his place in his own Joker style, Sal tells him that Batman has killed Chucky and Buzz, which means that he's coming after him too and will probably be after Joker next. He's offering $5 million up front to kill Batman, plus whatever else he needs to finish the job. Later, Andrea returns to her apartment or hotel room. It, I wouldn't think she'd have an apartment, but it's like, was it 2G or something like that, which isn't normal for a hotel? I don't know. Anyway, Batman is already waiting for her. He asks her about the picture and her father, but she doesn't seem to know about the pic and says she has no idea where her father is. So after she refuses to help, Batman leaves. Sometime later, still indeterminate, Sal Valestra is visited by a spooky cloaked figure surrounded by smoke, who tells him, Sal Valestra, 
your angel of death awaits. joke is on me. You're not Batman after all. Looks like there's a new face in Gotham, and soon his name will be all over town. To say nothing of his legs, feet, and spleen, and head. But Sal's already dead, his face frozen in a hideous smile. He has explosives strapped to his chest, along with a video camera allowing Joker to see who's de- who he's dealing with. The cloaked figure escapes before the explosives go off, but is soon confronted by the Batman. The figure disappears in a puff of smoke, leaving Batman to be the only one there when the police arrive. He hides inside a building under construction, but when the police spot him, they open fire. One of the bullets manages to strike a gas canister, causing a huge explosion. Now injured, Batman tries distracting the cops by putting his cowl on a sawhorse and using his grapple to send it flying in one direction while he takes off in another. While this isn't a long distraction, Andrea does show up just in time to drive him home. After Bruce is all bandaged up, Andrea tells Bruce what happened the night of the proposal. The, that business meeting was Chucky, Buzz, and Sal confronting Carl about taking their money. They wanted it back, and he managed to talk them into giving him 24 hours to get it. However, it was all tied up in investments, meaning it would take weeks to get it all together. So Carl and Andrea fled to Europe, hiding all over the continent until finally settling down along the Mediterranean coast. Eventually, he had enough money, but by then they wanted interest, compounded in blood. He had to find another way to stop them. When she heard about Chucky Saul's death, she came back to Gotham to try to stop him. Although it isn't mentioned, it looks like Andrea doesn't leave until the next morning, judging by the colors. Andrea's return has called Batman's future into question, but while studying the picture again, Bruce notices something about that unimportant fifth guy I mentioned. Using a pencil and a red pen, Bruce realizes that it's the Joker before the acid bath. Later, Joker pays a visit to Arthur Reeves' office to talk about this phantasm that's been killing the mobsters. You! That's right, hearty. Bring in the press, why don't you? What a photo op! The councilman and his wacky pal! You're no friend of mine. Oh, hearty! I'm crushed! How the high and mighty forget! Don't you remember you, me, Sally, and the gang? What are you talking about? I never met them or you. I worked for Beaumont. I didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but you knew about it afterwards and put it to good use, eh? (laughs) What do you want? To find out who's iced the old gang. Haven't you read the papers? It's Batman. (laughs) Wrong. It ain't the bat. Nope, nope, nope. I've seen the guy. He looks more like the ghost of Christmas future. Nowhere near as cute as Batboy. You're saying it's someone else? Yeah, someone who wouldn't mind seeing our old pals out of the way. (gasps) Maybe. Go, sob. Me too. That's when I thought about you, Arturo. An important, upstanding guy like you could find it awkward if certain secrets were revealed about his past. Wait, you're not saying that I... Mr. Reeves, Miss Beaumont on the line. Beaumont? Not the babe. Oh, you devil. Arthur? Arthur, are you there? Shh. <laughs> H- hello, Andrea. Uh, 
We're, we're still on for lunch, right? I'm sorry, I, I can't. I got hung up. I'll explain everything tonight, okay? Uh, all right. Uh, I'll, see, I'll see you then. Now, ain't that a co-winky-dink? <laughs> we're talking about the old man and the spawn of his loins just happens to call. Makes you want to laugh, doesn't it, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> Joker suggests it might be Reeves in the costume, but a phone call from Andrea interrupts the conversation. This amuses the Joker, and although he apparently leaves, he does give Artie enough Joker toxin at some point to keep him in an uncontrollable laughing fit. That night at the hospital, Batman visits Reeves to find out why Joker visited. He confesses that the last time he spoke to Carl was years ago during his first election campaign. He had called Carl asking for money, but Carl said no, so he basically sold him out to the mob. With this info, Batman returns to Andrea's place as the phone rings. Hello? Anybody home? <laughs> Listen, Boopsy, even though you never call and never write, I still got a soft spot for you. So I'm sending you a fun gift, airmail. And there's no use jumping out the window this time, toots. The plane of the future is going to make you history. Spotting a toy plane carrying what appears to be a toy torpedo? Batman tosses a couple of bat shuriken at it and takes out the special gift before it can strike its intended target. At the Gotham World's Fair, or the remains of it anyway, Andrea stands outside Joker's hideout and quickly flashes back to returning home from the store one day to see the pre-Joker Joker leaving their place and then finding her father's dead body. Back in the present, with a tear in her eye, she heads in. Inside, Joker's confronted by a spooky, cloaked figure surrounded by smoke, who tells him, Joker, your angel of death awaits. After revealing that he already knows who she is, Andrea removes the mask, revealing that she is, in fact, this phantasm. The Joker then attacks, but she hits him with smoke first, which he counters with acid, and melts away her gauntlet. While she's busy defending herself from some robots, Joker escapes and heads for this giant turbine that's outside. Before she can catch up, Joker activates it, threatening to suck Andrea into the spinning blades. Fortunately, the totally awesome Batman has arrived on his bat cycle, allowing it to get sucked up into and disabling the turbine while he helps Andrea. Batman pleads with her to stop this and to leave. She does, leaving Batman to chase Joker through a miniaturized mock-up of, I'm guessing it's Gotham, but it looks like it has an Empire State Building, so it might be New York, but I'm guessing Gotham. After activating the timer for the explosives he packed into the 20 miles of tunnels under the fair, Joker attempts to escape with a jetpack, but Batman is able to join him for the ride, causing them to crash. While they're both dazed, Andrea returns just in time for the explosions to start. Vowing that it will all end tonight, one way or the other, Andrea and Joker disappeared in a cloud of smoke before Batman could get to them. He manages to save himself by escaping through the sewers, but by the time he returns to the Batcave, he feels defeated. I couldn't save her, Alfred. I don't think she wanted to be saved, sir. Vengeance blackens the soul, Bruce. I always feared you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night, 
But you haven't fallen in, and I thank heaven for that. But Andrea fell into that pit years ago. And no one, not even you, could have pulled her back. However, in the cave, Bruce manages to find a locket with a picture of him and Andrea inside. Elsewhere, at some other point, on a cruise ship, Andrea declines the advances of a drunk partier, stating that she is alone. Back in Gotham, Batman stands over his city as the bat signal is lit. It's time for Batman to go to work. Now, I don't really have a whole lot of notes. I mean, it's hard to tell without sitting there with the script or actually watching the movie as I read the book. Uh, how much scripting was done by Puckett and how much was from the movie. I mean, a, a lot of the lines are kind of iconic and you can actually hear them in your head if you've seen the movie enough times. But he does do a good job of making sure it fits uh, in the book, in the allotted 64 pages without feeling like it's being squeezed and we're having to rush through stuff because the pacing is different. The art is very good. I find it interesting that a lot of the extras, quote unquote, uh, do not have that Parabex style. And I don't know how much of it is due to the fact that those extras were probably had models, model sheets done up for them for the movie. And therefore he could just use those or how much of that is just uh, Rick Burchett doing some stuff. But uh, yeah, there's not as much Parabexism in the extras. Really the big thing to uh, talk about here is the, some of the differences between the book and the movie. This, this does cover the, whole story for the most part the there's only some small things that because of space had to be taken out for example the first flashback we have arthur reeves talking to bruce about andrea and it just fades into the feedback feedback into the flashback in the movie basically bruce dismisses him that's when he gives him the the handkerchief back and tells him you know where you can stick it then he goes into i think it's supposed to be his study because it's where the painting of his parents is and he says, like, Andrea. And then that's when we go into the flashback. So that's a little different. And that's also where he is at the end of the flashback as well. His The scene where showing his first night as a vigilante before he becomes Batman, that's extended as well. There's this whole extra scene where one of the guys gets away in the truck and Bruce hangs on. And there's a cameo from uh, Officer Bullock as the police chase after them. And Bruce eventually manages to get the truck stopped. and then gets away before the police show up. Uh, that is not in here. It makes sense. It's kind of, I, I don't know how... That would be a lot of empty pages in a 64-page comic book when you kind of have limited space, so you need to get as much in as you can. The first encounter with the Phantasm is a little different. Uh, the Phantasm does jump out of the window, uh, but Batman isn't just standing there across the street. Uh, he flies in in the Batwing, and then the Batwing actually gives chase to the Phantasm using the smoke to kind of appear to be moving at super speed uh, before eventually just disappearing and then Batman being spotted. And then there's a the police chase part is extended too. Uh, so this whole bit gets extended uh, so that, uh, you know, Bruce has to do more clever stuff to 
hide and escape. And But the main important parts are there. He does get injured in the explosion. Uh, he does tie his cowl to a sawhorse and use the grapple to attach it to a, one of the helicopters so it goes one way so he can escape the other. And Andrea does show up. However, they do more to kind of insinuate that she spends the night. They kind of gloss over that here. I, then again, this is they do that in the book. Well, no, I don't know. Anyway, uh, they do kind of gloss it over it in here in the book, but uh, you know, in the movie, it's pretty much insinuated that I mean, they're in the bedroom together by the time we get to the next morning. Uh, also, and I skipped over it way back near the beginning during that first flashback. Uh, when he's practicing his jujitsu and she knocks him down and he trips her, they make out at the end of that. And Alfred comes out with what does he come out with? Tea, maybe coffee, something to drink, and then spots them and uh, then turns around and heads back in. And that's a running joke because he ends up doing that again during this later scene that obviously they make out and it's insinuated that she spent the night. It's interesting. Also, the scene of Andrea finding her father is different. This actually shows uh, her walking in and actually shows like inside the apartment. She can see him dead in the movie. It's a it's a far off shot as the pre Joker Joker guy just kind of walks away <laughs> with a couple of <laughs> she goes in and then you just hear her scream. It's kind of more effective for that. I don't know if it would have worked as well in the comic. But it, it's almost like they, I don't know if they weren't allowed to show that or if they just thought it would work better for the drama. Leave it to your imagination as to what happened. Let's see. The encounter, the, the battle with Joker and the Phantasm's a little longer. Uh, they don't even show him trying to beat her up with a stick of salami. Uh, Lufa salami? Anyway. But, uh, and then, eh, for the most part, most of the rest of it stays the same. There is one thing that I thought was interesting. There's a line when Batman... Well, first off, Batman chases Joker through the small, miniaturized version of Gotham. And this removes the whole part with the flying planes, which make a return. Uh, including one that kind of hits, cuts him in the back. But uh, they took that part out completely. But there is this one line, and I don't know... I don't know how big of a deal to make of it. Joker takes off on the in his on his rocket pack. Batman goes after him, catches, and they're flying all out of the, all over the place, out of control. And Joker tries to tell him to let him go, or they're both gonna die. Now, in this, Batman says that's the idea, and in the movie, he says whatever it takes. So this seems like in this, and maybe they changed it in the movie. I don't know, but this line saying that's the idea makes it seems like he's going on a suicide run. In the movie, it's whatever it takes to stop Joker. I think that fits a little bit better with Batman than that's the idea. But I don't know. I don't know if that was a line that got changed. I don't know if Kelly Puckett decided to change it or if it got changed uh, in post-production. Anything could have happened. I mean, this was an animated movie. Yes, they had the animation done, but, you know, same thing with any kind of movie. Things change right up to release, so who knows. Still would like to know what happens to the Joker at the end of this movie, especially since he's missing a tooth. Actually, he's not missing the tooth here, is he? Well, in the movie, he ends up getting hit and uh, loses a tooth. I think he gets hit by Andrea. I would love to know how the tooth grows back. 
by the time we're back into the regular series proper. But whatever. Anyway, uh, and then basically it ends the same. I mean, uh, you have Bruce finding the locket. You have Andrea on the cruise ship, and then uh, the only thing that the only thing that hurts this last part is the epicness of the music, uh, because. <laughs> It's pretty epic hearing the music as he gets ready to take off to uh, uh, respond to the bat signal. But, you know, what you're going to do. But, yeah, that's it. Uh, That's it for this book. First off, I want to mention that I really like the movie. Uh, Hopefully, everyone's been able to get it on Blu-ray. It's currently available uh, if you have the DC Universe app uh, or channel or whatever you want to call it. It is available on that, I believe, in HD. Uh, it was included in HD in the big Blu-ray set of the animated series, along with the Mister Freeze, uh, the Sub Zero movie, and of course, you, there's, it was all, it's also been available for a while on DVD. And the soundtrack is available. So, uh, I don't know how the availability of this book, but the availability of the movie is way out there. So, I would recommend checking it out if you haven't yet, and if you haven't checked it out don't listen to this go watch the movie and then come back although now that we're at the end of it it's kind of pointless for me to say that anyway uh thank you all for listening and we will see you again next time when we look into another special that came out this same month batman harley quinn mad love see you then there was never any question any lovers indiscretion thank you for listening to charlie's geek cast Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie's Geekcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening and good night. Shit.